0: Hot round, Red Seven! Red Seven! Red Seven! Don. What? Red Seven! I don't know what Red Seven means. Hot round. I don't... What is hot round?
1: Will you just go stand on the other side, please?
0: Billy Bob! This is
1: it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big Bob halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico.
0: Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. No, 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 no. I need that ball. Get
1: me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Oh, are you gonna get me the oh, ball?
0: I'll get you the I Hope he didn't kill somebody. The inches we need
1: are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference
0: between winning and losing, yeah. between living and dying, yeah. Cross Street. I got a whole lot of money. Money, money yawning yawning yawning, yawning. for me, bottle key. Welcome into another episode of 11 Personnel. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Roush, hanging out uh, with Adam Luckett and my new buddy Merle, who's a very nice boy, very yeah, good boy. He likes
1: you very much, Mr. Roush. I,
0: I, I guess I got a smell about me. I just got some stank on me. Mm-hmm. It, maybe it's the smell of other dogs, maybe it's the smell of KS Bar. Delicious place to eat. I think eat a it's meal. just
1: that South End stench you got about
0: you. It's. It, it could be the my cold hard eyes <laughs> just staring deep into his soul. He knows that I'm looking for my next meal. He 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 can tell. He can sense it. Dogs got that kind of sense about mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, but we're here today at the midway point in training camp. I know it's moving fast, ain't it? Today is the official midway point of training camp, and I was actually I was actually walking on the facility today with Justin Rigg. And I was like, man, today's already practice ten. There's only Tim Moore, and he's like, it's fine by, isn't it? He's like, I kind of like it. It's like, me too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because as much as I enjoy uh, training camp, it's much more fun to see actually what's happening, um, which we didn't get to see anything of the scrimmage that happened Saturday. Um, a scrimmage that, so initially Mark Stoops said was just okay. After having some time to digest Adam Luckett, uh, I, I think it was better than just okay.
1: That's what it sounded like today, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where, uh, boy, Mark, things are never as good. He'll as always be a defensive coordinator. <laughs> he really can't help himself. And you know what though? I can't like I can't blame him. Like I would be the same exact way too. Like I'm a defensive line tight end guy. If the D line sucks, then I'm just going to be upset. Mm-hmm. Which made last year scrimmages probably looked a little bit better because of the defense they had yeah. on the field.
1: I think a big thing with it is. They have really high expectations for this defensive line. And we've talked about how good this offensive line is all camp, and we heard Landon Young kind of say it today, Mm -hmm. that they just really got after their ass. Yeah. And they really kind (laughs) of dominated the scrimmage. I think that says more about what Kentucky has on that offensive front than probably what they have on defense. Mm -hmm. I just think Kentucky is going to have a chance to have one of the better offensive lines in the country this year. I think it's gonna. I think if that if you rank all the position groups, I would rank it number one. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to see where you know, Schlarman and Eddie Grant have come out, and Mark Stoops even that they feel really comfortable about their depth. Mm-hmm. Stoops talked about Luke Fortner, so they really feel really good about him starting at right guard. Nasir Watkins, they feel good about him as a third tackle. Mason Wolf's a guy they have a lot of confidence in, mm-hmm. confidence in off the be- off the bench, and now. The new name on Quentin Wilson, yeah, with yeah, the red shirt freshman, who Schlarman's, you know, he's the primary backup at center, but Schlarman is moving him around at different right. guard spots to see where he sticks. So um, those, I mean, that's that's eight guys right there. So I mean, and that's, I think that's, that's really what you want.
0: Their ideal scenario mm-hmm. is eight, and a guy like Wilson who can play any of the interior spots, mm-hmm. um, which that was kind of fun today because I, I I talked to Schlarman and I also talked to Kennard, who Kennard – has played every position except center in less than a year. Or, no, I guess he was in, uh, he was early enrollee. Mm-hmm. But so in 18 months, he's played four positions on the offensive line. And now he's finally at right, and that's probably where they're going to keep him as long as Landon Young's here. Um,
1: yeah, I would say so. Once Landon leaves, that's going to be an interesting spot, but I think he, you could pretty much pencil him in for that right tackle spot. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but – Wilson that was a new name thrown into the mix and as Young said though I mean they did just get after their ass and what I loved most about it Luckett is that Stoops said it was just okay and then Grand he had this like well we played well but we only had 4.8 yards per carry and that's if you take away the big run and you know the thing is Luckett, the reason why I really love the way he said that is because I'll ask questions like that I'll be like well, if you take away that big play, you only got blah 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 blah, and he'd be like, "Well, you can't take away that big play. like that's that's happened before. I've done that to him before, and now he's doing that to his players. So mm-hmm. like it goes both ways, but also AJ Rose. They, I don't think they went, but AJ Rose had like a big touchdown run. I don't know what it was exactly, but four point eight yards of carry. I think the last I checked, Mister Luckett, that's a first down yeah. every time. It's what Kentucky averaged last year. Which exactly, came it was 4.8. Their
1: team average was 4.84. It's perfect. Which was seventh in the SEC. Still seventh. So but I think what Grant's getting at, since they don't have Benny Snell, that guarantee kind of back, I think they're worried about those short runs. So, I think they're trying to really hammer home that we need to, you know, on every run is important. We need to get as much positive mm-hmm. yards as we can. We cannot be, you know, they talk, we cannot be lenient on the big play. They talked about – they saw a bunch of big plays in the scrimmage, which was mm-hmm. good, but you – that's never something you want to be like. That's the only thing we can get our offense. We still want to be efficient. We still want to be able to move the chains. Mm-hmm. And we and we heard Mark Stoops talk about how they the offense had negative plays other than negative plays and get behind the chains. They really played well in the scrimmage. They
0: didn't turn it over, which yeah, normally early scrimmages are just riddled with turnovers, absolutely riddled with. Now they still have the pre snap penalties, which like it's first time with live whistles. I mean, I'm sure they've had some guys show up at practice, but like. In actual semi-game-like atmosphere for the first time, you're going to have some pre-snap penalties. But they didn't have any turnovers. Um, and Terry Wilson completed 16 to 20 passes. That's, 80%? That's 80% pretty good last I checked. Now, on the flip side, you could say, well, does that just show, like, does that mean that the defense is bad? Well, I would argue that the, uh, yeah, get out, Merle.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: get out of here. Um, I would argue that you want, I mean, at this point in the game, your offense should be ahead of your defense. Your defense is a bunch of inexperienced guys, so I I I see that more as a hey, well, don't be hating. Like, of course, the offense should be beating the defense up at this point.
1: Yeah, exactly. With what they have, experienced quarterback, dudes on the line of scrimmage, proven running back, a proven star receiver, mm-hmm. and then you look at what the defense is dealing with. Right. You know, defensive line, we talked about, they've got experience there, but you've got Josh Paschal moving to a different position there, right. Jack. You have a brand new secondary. You were having, you, you've you had two weeks now on the fly to adjust to Devontae Robinson's loss. So they're really, there's some parts of the defense they are just throwing stuff at the wall, so, seeing what sticks. So yeah. It, it should be expected that the offense at this point in the season, that they're a little bit ahead. That right. they should be ahead. And Kentucky we have got for Kentucky win games this year, they're gonna their offense is gonna have to really take a
0: step forward. Exactly. And no, I think the part where that Stoops got mad and he used just the most stoopsian quote in the history of quotes, and that was the strength of our team needs to be the strength. Mm-hmm. Which get that tattooed across my back. That is just the strength is the strength. Just fantastic verbiage right there, Mark. I love it. Every just inject that football guy right into my Mm -hmm. veins. But I think the the point was is the defensive line has played so well that they didn't expect the offensive line to, to create holes. Now some of that is defensive linemen, If you're blocking a dude, once you like when you when you're going up against someone, you know it's a lot easier to block them. Because you just you, you, you feel their lean. You kind of know their tendencies. You've, there's a comfort level there. And in the first live setting, if DeAndre Square, Chris Oates, or Cassian, one tiny misread, and Mike Edwards and Darius West aren't there seven yards down the field making a tackle. And I think that's the part that we've overlooked probably the most in all of this secondary shuffle is where run support, Those guys helped out so much, and it's just hard to foresee a scenario where those guys are – I mean, you're talking about if Cash and Square and those guys aren't making tackles right away, those seven-yard runs are 20-yard runs or more. It's a ton of pressure on the
1: front seven until we see the safeties in action. Can they come up and can they be a force in run support? That's something we don't know. That was something last year that, you know, there was a lot of runs that probably would have went for 15 or 20 yards. Edwards and Darius West – turn those into three- or four-yard gains. Mm. So, it's second and six instead of a chunk play. And then you live to fight another down. So, that's something that we're going to have to watch this year. And that's why it's so important for that front to really get a push consistently and and turn into playmakers. Last year, they were just kind of – they set the table, I would say. this right. This year, they need to make stuff happen yeah. up front. They need to create tackles for loss. They need to create, you know – uh stressful situations for the quarterback. They need to create uh, pushes so where the, the running back has to totally bounce bounce outside it's to set to make things easier for the guys that are behind them. And they you could count the inside linebackers, Cash Daniel right. and Boogie Watson on the outside in that too. All those guys got have to be better this year right there at the front of the defense and, and stopping the run because, like you said, you don't have Darius West and Mike Edwards behind
0: you. Well, and, and some of the times when you've got an explosive play, like the big, long A.J. Rose run, sometimes it's just a product of scheme. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're in one or two man free, and you're locked up, and the dude just is slow to reading and reacting in to In week the one,
1: they're going to see a running back like that.
0: If, you, if call back him? if
1: you give him a slither – he can, go, he can take it 60 yards. So they're going to get tested right away other, in that aspect.
0: And I think other times, too, it's just knowing, like being comfortable and instinctual about the angles. And I, that just comes with experience. And they're going to be getting it over the next few weeks in these scrimmages. And the, that, that at least is the one positive, too, is that A.J. Rose gives them a, a look that – they're going to be seeing in the future an explosive look that they probably didn't get all the time going up against Benny.
1: And they get the power back too with Rodriguez and they throw him there too. So they get a good look.
0: He also had a good scrimmage aside from being a little bit banged up. What else did you kind of take away from everything that was said about Saturday's first preseason scrimmage?
1: Well, I mean, Brandon Eccles, excuse me, still Mm. nursing that hamstring injury that kind of locks Jamari Brown into that starting corner spot. And then we hear today that MJ Devonshire is really making an impact. So – so, I bet that's, that's, that's kind of a – both of those were kind of a surprise. Mm-hmm. So, that's – and that's something to watch out to watch out for this year. Jabari Brown was a guy – was the lesser thought of corner in that class. Yes. Stanley Garner, we thought, would, would be kind of a guy that was stepped in, maybe played right away yeah. last year. And now he's kind of buried on the depth chart and we don't really know what to expect from him.
0: Right. Cause and then he was also like a thing to do safety, a thing do corner, kind of you know, what's the deal hat- with him. But he, he's mm-hmm. gone by the wayside for Brown. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, it, it. I guess, I guess it's a good thing we're hearing Devin Charles running with the ones. But it also worries me. That's one where I am like, well, what the hell are the other guys doing? Yeah, I, that's what I want to know. Is he
1: running with the ones at that field corner with Jamari Brown, or is he just merged as the nickel guy?
0: Because that 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 would worry me more. It's a nickel guy. Yeah. Because I feel like like Jordan Griffin, what are you doing, buddy? Like. Yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm I'm starting to get my, my – on a scale of one to ten on my panic button, it's it's starting to get to about a six and a half on Jordan Griffin. If it started at a four, it's a six and a half, it's creeping up. And if I don't start hearing more this time next week, it'll be at like an eight.
1: Yeah, I think Griffin, that, that he's just kind of like that deep safety. I think what – if I had to guess, it's what they're having problems finding a guy at nickel because we've heard Mosley. They're using him there now. Mm-hmm. I would assume they've given Corker
0: and Asian because Corker was originally the, the first one they mentioned. So, mm-hmm. but you're right. This, this is also a fluid. What's sticking as of right now? Who's most consistent? And at the halfway point of camp, guys are going to be hitting a wall about Thursday, and yeah, then be this week. Yeah, Sto- Stoops' uh, prediction: Stoops is going to be mad after Thursday's practice. He's, he's just going to be mad. Yeah, you're, that's coming. We haven't really had it yet. Yeah, we haven't had it yet. I have a feeling that's going to be happening soon. And then Saturday's the scrimmage where uh, I, I think the way uh, TJ, my, my Kentucky Roll Call radio partner, said, there's always a good scrimmage, a uh, meh scrimmage, and a scrimmage from Stoops. And I think the one is, is is on the horizon because I've, I've got that feeling, especially with young guys. It's far as, like, hitting a wall stuff like that. So Usually
1: it goes, offense has a good day. Next week the coach will set it up where the defense could have a better day. Mm-hmm. So you kind of create that yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Kirby Smart wasn't happy with his first scrimmage at Georgia. Right. Nick Saban was happy with his first scrimmage at Alabama. So it's not, you know, it's not the same for everywhere. But – very rarely do you see where you know a team comes out and has two good scrimmages. Usually, that's by design. The coaches don't want that. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> Which is. Kind of hilarious in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you
1: know that's. But that's it's not far until they get into game prep. I mean, we've only got you know another week, week and a half.
0: School class starts in less than two weeks now. I you, saw I saw a tweet. that classes started not too long, and I was like, "God, that must really suck." Having to go to class. Usually <laughs> they set it up where it's losers. about a week and a
1: half. Yeah, we don't have to do that anymore, do we? Yeah. A week and a half out of game day, so 31st. So you're looking at the 21st, so really like a week, eight days, nine days, maybe, and then then game prep starts.
0: Yep. Yeah. So. Oh man, time's fine. It feels good, like it. Yeah. We've almost made it. One more Saturday soon without a be, college football soon game. Soon you'll
1: be going to your first Monday.
0: Press conference, the football season. Oh, man. It'll be good to be back eating some of that Airmark cuisine. Just <laughs> filling me up. It's going to be delicious. Cannot wait. Um, until then, uh, a, a couple other quick things I wanted to bring up on training camp before we move on to some other hilarious hijinks around the world of college football and uh, preview the pass catchers. Uh, Vince Mara said that Justin Riggs better than C.J. Conrad. Buying it or selling it? I'm going to sell as an overall player, but I think there are things he
1: probably does better than C.J. All
0: right, you're losing this round of Around the Horn. you got to be hot takier than that. Okay. It, come on. I'm selling. Yeah, C- yeah. I- there we go. C.J.
1: Conrad did a lot for this offense. He was very versatile, whether it was in a passing game or blocking. They used him essentially as a glorified fullback a lot of, in a lot of oh, ways. Yeah. So, that that's asking a lot if, if Rig is that already. I think Rig's is going to be good, but – I think that's a little, you know, Merrill has been known to get a little
0: Vince no ahead of himself. Never, never. That, he, he is not a hype man. I I can never see him overblowing something. But I do think that his overall point is that he believes they can be better between Rig and Upshaw. They're just better pass catchers, and I think that's something that people got to remember. Because here's here's the problem that people get so mad at uh, about not passing to C.J. Conrad. You can't. It's hard to throw it to a guy who's not open. Mm-hmm. And, and and if he didn't have um,
1: – They played the CJ strengths, and his strengths were blocking and then occasionally sneaking him out on a pass route.
0: Getting him one-on-one with a linebacker. Yeah. He had to be with a the linebacker. They wouldn't put – that's why they never split him out. They didn't want him on a nickel. And what Vince specifically said, I didn't write it in the quote because it was clunky, but he's like, if you've got Keaton Upshaw on an option route and 12 personnel and third down, like – he's just going to put you on a hip and go up and make a play because yep. he's 6'7". Like, dude is enormous. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's where it stands out because both those guys are two or three inches taller than CJ, longer arms, that's a bigger catch radius. So I, I think that's the point he's trying to make is that where CJ might have made a bigger impact uh, long term in opening up holes and for Benny Snell and creating stuff on the offensive line, he wasn't the most dynamic pass catcher. He just wasn't. And mm-hmm. now he's catching some passes in the NFL. We saw him catch two passes his first preseason game. Um, and I don't think it's knock on CJ. But these guys, I think, are I – think, I think there's also a – they're going to have to be used more in the pass game. Yeah. So, uh, that's kind of – I think,
1: too, that the coaches are pretty – they like what they have in that tight end room and they just want to get the best 11 on the field. And to do that, they're going to have to have Rig and Upshaw. Right. On the field a lot
0: together. Yeah, which we're going to talk about. Oh, well, hell, let's just go ahead and get into it right now. Because um, we can say T.J. Carter also he's becoming the he's that was
1: that was another thing I I wanted to bring up he just everybody's talking good
0: he's, things about him. he is the head he is the breakout star of camp and it makes me mad like it because yeah, I said it was going to be Hoskins I just picked the wrong one you're man close. I was you were in the right position and right? I was beeping with my metal detector and I just I went to the right instead of the left mm-hmm. and I should have gone to the left but it's 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 kind of – and it's not unprompted too. Like if you just oh, yeah. random offensive linemen, they're like, yeah, TJ Carter's just crushing it. And it doesn't surprise me though because I, I remember – like Jeremy Jarman, I think a lot of him, A, because he was one of my favorite players as a kid. He was just a great natural, you know, defensive end. And he got a raw deal on that stupid GNC stuff. Yeah, absolutely. God, that made me so mad. But when he said like, man, this guy – you know he is—he's got the full package. He just has to put it together, and I think a lot of it for him was from a where his strength—the so strength—is the strength for him. And I don't think he had enough necessarily until this year. And now they're saying he's like strongest, most explosive dude. And they—they ca-
1: they had to play him his freshman year, so he didn't get that redshirt season, which hurt. Yes. But you look at him now—he's played in 37 games he's in his career. That many?
0: Yeah. So is he, hes a—he's playing about every is game. He be a senior? Yeah. He's oh a true gosh, senior. Man. Made, I thought he was a true junior. Mm-hmm. That's a bummer.
1: He made 16 starts, so he's played a lot of football. And
0: now he's kind of – Man, that's right, because that bowl game, he played well three bowl games ago down at the Tax Slayer Bowl. That's right. probably his best game. I think he was right. one of the highest rated guys. He was another
1: guy game. in that class of 2016 <laughs> that turned out to be a really good class.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's just
1: kind of slowly – come along we thought sophomore year he's going to have a bigger bigger year then we thought junior year he probably maybe take a step forward and then he got kind of got caught in the wash because they Calvin Taylor was playing so well that they had to get him on the field a lot right right but now he seems like a guy that's really lasered in and ready to have a big season and the code, uh the move of Pascal out to Jack says really two things says one they might be worried a little bit about Jack but two they feel really good about what they have Right there at that TJ, TJ Carter spot. So I think the coaching staff is thinking he's going to have a big year, and it, it's apparent that all his teammates are thinking that too.
0: Right. And uh, that's, I like it because he was one of those guys that, not worried to get lost in the wash, lost in the wash, lost in the wash, but he, he, he checks all of your boxes that you really can't for this team and Kentucky like the 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 line that Brad White's used he's told the story and I don't know if we've ever written a post on the KSR. That might be something I have to do. But Brad White likes to tell the story about when he was with the Colts, Robert Mathis led the League in Sacks. Mm-hmm. And then the following year Mathis got hurt. They didn't have Robert it was either that or it was a suspension. It was something weird. I think he had like uh, something with like his wife getting pregnant. There was something there was some kind of weird thing where they just didn't have him for a year. But they had more sacks the following year as a team because everybody stepped up. You spread the wealth. T.J. Carter is the person you're spreading the wealth to that you need to to replace Josh Allen.
1: Yeah, he's going to be one of those guys that you're expecting to, you know, get four or five sacks, get hover around ten tackles for loss. Yes,
0: that's what you need out of him. And so far, we're hearing everything we need to see. Now, back to the tight ends because this week in our we we took a break from it because we got to watch an open practice last week and we kind of hit on all the different position groups. So we're going to take. A hard look into the microscope um, on Kentucky's pass catchers, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. Where where would you like to start? Let's start with the big boys. Let's start with the tight ends. All right. Well, let's start with the tight ends. Uh, I'm a big Keaton Upshaw fan. Some of it is because I'm biased for Lima, Ohio. So, uh, Lima, Ohio is like the big city. Like like Brooke, my wife's hometown is nestled between Lima, Ohio, and Dayton. So when you're going to the big city, you're on one of those two. When we went to the movies one time, they didn't have like instead of going to it was Finding Dory. Actually, we we're going to see Finding Dory, and we couldn't go to uh, the the small theater that only had like four. So we had to go to Lima, and Lima, the hometown of Tyler, U.S. Uh, people forget that because he went to. Prep school in Chicago, mm-hmm. and it was too ashamed to say he's from Lamo, and also the home of Darius West and uh, Keaton Upshaw's from there. And the biggest concern, I like, I, I think this kid could be the real deal, Holyfield, if he can just stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, he's had injury issues already
1: last year. Mm-hmm. I believe it was some type of knee injury, and now his yep. was
0: a knee. He's got he's got the big bulky brace mm-hmm. on now, and then his hammy started acting up earlier in camp. And that and I think that's what happened to him in the spring too. Yeah, that or a shoulder. And it's the same thing with Rig too. Rick had two weird-ass injuries. He had a lacerated... Was it a spleen or a kidney? I think it was sp- kidney, I think. I think he's done spleen and kidney. I think he's had two internal injuries, which is just... How? You know, like... That's also... I mean, you want to talk about some shots. Those had to be rib shots, right? Like, coming across the middle? Mm-hmm. God. Just absolutely brutal. But those are big guys who deliver a blow, who take a beating, who you need to – you, you got to keep them healthy. And I know the – I mean, Vince said today, I think Big Nick is taking a beating now, and he's gotten banged up. So health is my number one overall concern with mm-hmm. this group. Aside from that, I as Vince says, as a group, you're probably going to get more production out of them than you've had a long time for the tight end position. Yeah, and you
1: look, there's only four guys, four scholarship players there. So, you're kind of – your numbers are thin.
0: I can see him giving Schlegel one. Who, By the way, yeah. please Google Drew Schlegel and look up his team picture mm-hmm. this year. His mullet is magnificent. But Schlegel's more, of, Schlegel's
1: more your fullback slash H-back. He's going to be used for mainly blocking purposes or in jumbo package when they're trying to get some beef down in short yardage plays. But the difference may – I think we know what we're going to get from Rick. He's going to be a really good blocker. He could probably pencil in him in for about 20 – 21 I catches, say, yeah, about twenty. Th- 2 or 3 touchdowns, mm-hmm. but he's going to be one of the more dependable players on the offense, I think, in my opinion. You know every, every Saturday where you're going to get from him. Right. The X factor in this whole thing is Keaton Upshaw, because when you see him, you're like, well, that's a Sunday player. <laughs> and when we see yes. him, there's going to be moments early in the season where we're going to see him run some routes and do some things, and everybody's going to be like, damn, we got something here. But it's just going to be consistency with him. Health is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And really, we haven't seen a tight end like that in this offense yet. So we really don't know how they're going to use him. And that's something we're just going to have to, you know, wait and see how they do so far. Uh, But I think – it's going to allow them to do a lot of things. They're going to be able to stay in 12 personnel, but essentially play like they're in 11 personnel because they're going to be able to split Upshaw out wide.
0: Yeah, and if they don't split them out wide, they can do the thing where Rig is like an H-back and Upshaw is the mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Guy, and then you get Rig chipping and then going to the flat with like a Upshaw running like a flag mm-hmm. or a post or something, which, I mean, this is just, I mean, this is, Football porn for me is running a bunch of big tight end sets and running guys out all over mm-hmm. the place. It's what you see in the NFL a lot now. They're well, they're doing it a lot. And I think it also ties in if you've got some big dudes in the middle. There's a lot of focus on them, and you can just slip a guy. You can slip AJ Rose out in a little flare, mm-hmm. and he can bust it. And I just gotta say it. It's hilarious watching you trying to get this dog hair out of your mouth. No, right no, now. it is. <laughs> Look, it has a merle hair in his mouth, and it's it's been a solid, like, five minutes of him trying to figure out where that exact piece is. I think I got it now. Okay. Because that's – it's tough because, you know, you 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 think you got it, and then you're scraping the tongue, and, and then you get another one in there. It can just – it can be difficult. Yeah, it's no fun. It's dog problems. Um, but – I think one reason, too, why people are so bullish on the tight ends, uh, I think some of it's the yin and yang with the uncertainty at wide receiver, especially after Isaiah Epps went down.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: because – Well, the wide receiver, is still, it's Bowden, and then what else do we got? Yeah. You know,
1: we're not going to really know.
0: Oh, ooh, you know what I just thought of, too? Big tight ends blocking on screens downfield. Yeah. Yeah. I think we if fans too. Um, like this is just me. Just ta-da, uh, screen game, folks. I mean, Grant shared sure that stat last year where they missed 15 bubbles. They're gonna be do a lot of just quick getting to Bowden's hands right away. Yeah. But, but I think, too. They're, I think they're gonna do a lot with him trying to
1: get him out on some screens and get him in some who, space. You say? Aj Rose.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? Those can be a well-executed, especially a middle screen can be just such a thing of beauty because just watching the defensive end, watching a defensive lineman think that he's getting through scot-free to the quarterback only to realize, like, oh, damn it, it was a screen the whole time. Like, that's just – it's it's so hilarious to watch on a perfectly executed middle screen. And I, I like having big tight ends who can move well getting out there because – I mean, Lane and moves those guys move pretty well, but not as well as a, a tight end. Mm-hmm.
1: And it puts defensive play callers in a bind, because if you're running 12 personnel a lot, you're not going to want to get out of base because you're afraid of the power run game. Mm-hmm. But then, if you've got a guy that's versatile like Keaton Upshaw that can split out, then you're going then you're going to be itching to get an extra defensive back out there to get nickel. So it really. It's a, an advantage to the offense if you can do it.
0: Yeah, if you it, if you can pull it off and still get mm-hmm. quote-unquote playmaking out of your tight ends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't mean like exploding for big run, but 12 yards, mm-hmm. chunk plays. And that's exactly what this offense is looking for is chunk plays. First scrimmage, we got some of that. The biggest person who's going to create chunk plays all year is Len Bowden, who... Mm-hmm. <sighs> It it really, It's it's going to come down to a matter of you can't give him the ball too much this year. You just can't. No, no way. <laughs> like and I don't, and I think it's like it, it, I I I'm really anxious to see how creative they get with him. Aside from just putting him at Wildcat quarterback, which is it's going to happen, and in theory it's great, but I kind of hate it. I don't know what it is about it. I just I just don't like Wynn Bowden doing the read option. Um, but my, my biggest question, though, Lucky I know they're going to do a lot of stuff with him in the slot. How much can they do that and still use him as a deep threat? Because it feels like, I mean, he is the best deep threat right now that right. we know of. He's the best of all everything. Mm-hmm. So, like, is, do you have to balance on how much you just – shift him around and try to get him going across yeah, on drag. The biggest, and thing is, send him deep. the biggest thing is just moving
1: him all over the place, lining him up outside, lining him up in the slot in bunch formations and just all, di- all different types of things that you can do, moving him around in motion a ton, giving him you know looks where he's maybe lined up next to Terry out of the huddle at running back and then sending him in, in motion, whether it's to out wide or in the slot somewhere and then running something for him. It's just really creating all of that, and then when you take shots downfield, they scheme them up. They they set them a certain way. They look to make sure how the team plays the coverage, and that's when they're going to go after it. So it's just it's going to be the same as that. But you got to make sure that a couple of those are going to Bowden, whether it's you know, and you got to find the route. What route does he get open best at?
0: The the ones that we saw, I felt like. I mean, this is just from me watching from the sidelines, so it's a weird vantage point. But whenever teams were in, uh, when, whenever the defense was in, like a, I mean, it was just base cover three stuff. He really did a good job of finding a like the soft spot in that in between the the uh, the the front and back middle. Uh, outside thirds, mm-hmm. where he would kind of just find a way to sneak in behind the line, the edge guys. The in-between when, area. Yeah, especially when you're going up against, you know, kids like Jared Casey. Like, you can just sneak in behind him in that flat part of the area and get hit at, like, 12, 10 yards. And that's where Bowden's going to be. He can turn where a lot of guys, like Josh Elvey, he's probably going to be that guy that's going to be really good at intermediate routes. But how how explosive is he after the catch? I don't know. Lynn Bowden can make three guys miss and go sixty yards, and that's going to happen a couple of times this year, and I think that's what is most exciting about this fall is that you can do a lot of crazy things to scheme up for him, but there's just times where just playmaking takes over. Yeah, and I—that's why it's important to getting the ball as much as possible because you never know what he's going to do. Then you're playing the you know you're playing the odds and unlike because that was kind of the theory with Boom Williams. I know that was pretty. Mm-hmm. Distant or pretty near past, and like how many times did Boom like just try to run outside and get tackled for like a loss of three? And you are like, "What the hell? kind of play is that?" But you had to you had to be willing to chew up those take plays. The, take the bad with the good because there there's gonna be a time when Lynn tries to flip the field on a screen and it's just terrible. It's a disaster. It's gonna happen, but you take the good with the bad because every once in a while he's gonna get like sixty yards. Right.
1: But we get to another point. It's that Bolden can't do it all, and they really need a deep threat to emerge. We haven't really – the program hadn't really had a deep threat than Jeff Badette. Yep. Epps was kind of the guy that they were pushing towards that. Eddie Grant, after the spring game, t- told us in a media Q&A that, you know, that he better, you know, be make plays down vertically down the field or he's not going to play. Well, now he's totally out of the lineup. Yeah. So, now it's what do they do? Do they have somebody that can step up and do that? Bryce Oliver, to me, doesn't seem like he has the speed to do it. Neither does Allen Daly.
0: Daly, definitely not. Oliver at least can get 50-50 balls. Mm-hmm. But you're right. He's not running past safeties.
1: And they got Ali in a row where they're kind of using him, you know, kind of 15 yards and in mm-hmm. as that possession receiver. But he's a guy that's got some top-end speed. Maybe it's him they try try out there. Yeah. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a Tay-Tay Crooms who's got top end speed. Do they try to throw that freshman out there? So, I mean, we don't know, but that's something that they have, have they have to find. And that's another thing about Upshaw going back to the tight ends is if he can provide you a guy that can go and catch seam routes 20 yards down the field, it kind of replaces that chunk play you may be losing mm-hmm. from not having a, a, deep, a true deep threat.
0: Well, and it also – you're more willing to say, all right, Josh, I know we've really worked hard on you – in this kind of role, we need you to just try to test these guys deep. Mm-hmm. And you can probably afford that luxury if if you have a guy like Upshaw who's reliable um, in the kind of intermediate game, which is where they're, I think they're going to try to use Alvey the most this year. Um, the, man, Tay-Tay Krooms is a guy that they needed last year, though, from a just like – because his body, I don't think he – he just doesn't have – He's so he's so damn skinny. I yeah, he's got to hit the weights. Yeah, and, like, you can't just put that weight on overnight and expect to keep that same And speed. he's
1: fast, but I don't think he's that fast where he can just come yeah, yeah. and blaze by people Well, right and now. even,
0: like, I mean, your, your prototypical guys like, Rondell Moore, that fast, but also tree trunk legs. Right. Um, and also in the Big Ten, different right. gear.
1: Yeah, and they're different players, too. More, Moore's more of a slot receiver who can occasionally go deep, similar to Bowden. Mm-hmm. But he was more physically built, you're right, to play right away. Yeah. And Crooms is not. I mean, I don't. We don't. Right, yeah, I don't think Crooms spent much time in the weight room
0: in high school. Yeah, he's a track kid. I'm sure he, he's yeah, running yeah. track. And stuff. So, like, exactly. Um, you know, it's not a, not a surprise, but it's a shame that he couldn't have already had a year and to where he's got eight, ten more pounds. Then I'd be able him. Unlo- unlo- or if you would have got about. him
1: in for the spring,
0: maybe. Yeah, but he wasn't even in for the spring. <laughs> but Demarcus Harris was. They like what they seen for him. I don't know what his. Like, no. running, I, I just – I don't know. Yeah. Um, I like what I saw
1: from Harris on tape, but I kind of project him more to be in the kind of position they have all even right now. It's kind of exactly. that. Um, that exactly.
0: So, inner possession so that's – I mean, wh- another, ye- another year, and we're still asking, so are they going to be able to find a guy with top end speed? Mm-hmm. And they've certainly recruited for it, but you got – you know, you're waiting it out. Yeah. Um, and until then, I will say, we briefly, we brought up Rondell Moore. I've heard Milton Wright is just absolutely crushing it at Purdue. So, it might be another one. like. <sighs> if Cindelar can get on the ball, they should be. I think Cindelar's I think all right. Can I just say, too, that it's funny. Be, like, my brother had kind of a rivalry with him. They were the same age. Mm-hmm. And, which is crazy that Cindelar still has, I think, two years of eligibility because of injuries. Right. Um And my brother's, this will be his second year out of football. But they were the same age in high school. And Sindelar knocked him out one year. And it was a hell of a game. Caldwell County, they had a running back too. And I don't know where that kid ended up at. He was really talented too. Uh, I think he ended up at Illinois maybe. Really good running back. But Caldwell County beats him the first year. My brother's junior year. Great game. Um, And then the second year, uh, my, my brother's senior year. Caldwell loses in the final four and Sindelar gets like some award after the state championship. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Hey, uh, how come you aren't in full pads, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> and they won state championship. But it is just why that Sindelar is still playing. Um, big on Ar- Purdue plays on a Friday night, man, that's going to be such a great weekend. Bucket. I'm so happy. And UK has got the noon kickoff. We get to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I'm tailgating for the Louisville game. I don't know if I'm going to go in, Cause if they're selling face value, hell no, I'm not spending ninety dollars watch Cardinals play. But if it's like twenty, thirty bucks to take it to get in, I might as well go watch Notre Dame kick I'm, their I'm ass. I'm sure you'll find a way to weasel in there. Oh there. yeah, come on, it ain't that hard. It's Louisville for Christ's sakes. Like, when was the last time you had to pay to go something to something at the University of Louisville? Not no. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't even, let, don't even answer that. And
1: question. if you know a board of trustees member, oh, you can get in.
0: You can sneak right in there. Um, which. I just got to, I just mentioned all those days of football, and it reminded me that, you know what, we're going to do next week, Luckett, because it is before the first game of the year. What's that? We're doing over unders, season total over unders. I'm freaking pumped. Um, it's, it's something I didn't discover until last year, and it's what got me in gambling because the Kentucky line at, was it just, it was five and a half last year, wasn't it? That sounds about right. Yeah, it was the most egregious thing ever, and I didn't realize like, oh, I'll put fifty bucks down, I'll put a lot of money on it, and then just write it out. No, I should have just like I should have actually put real money on it, like a whole paycheck's worth, because that was the easiest money ever, and it got me through college basketball season for the most part. There you go. So we're gonna be talking over unders. Um, ha- let's let's get at least a hand. Let's get a handful of pieces, just some random ones. I'm sure you'll have some obscure ones. Probably not like of the Chris Felica and. Uh, Stanford, Steve. I'll stick with Power 5. Okay, yeah. Because, like, even though though it is kind of funny when they start talking about, like, Georgia Southern and, like, Texas State and stuff. Like, that's just – it's just funny Mm -hmm. to me. Like, that's a dedication to the game that you're willing to put a chunk of change on Sunbelt football. Usually that's where the biggest – I guess
1: voids or opportunity, voids in the market, I, I guess would be the problem. Kind of
0: like uh, WNBA is where the most money's made by yeah, the Sharps. That's what they say. Uh, that's what they say. So we're going to help you try to make some money next week. We're not going to be your, 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 I mean, we, we free money is our KSR's gaming podcast, but we're going to have some picks and we're going to have some more games to watch. And that's what I'm excited for once we get into the season is talking about other games that are going on. Um, because we can really just get in the nitty-gritty. And, like, if you're keeping up with Nick Saban's post-scrimmage comments, then I'm sure you're going to have plenty of I'm going to have some <laughs> takes for us, Mr. <laughs> Roush. You better believe that. Uh, and I'll
1: tell you what else. If you, episode one, we talked about quarterback competitions. It's starting to look like right now that Tommy Stevens is going to win the job in Starkville. Okay. It's Which I, I think is a mistake. It's yep. starting to look like – Joey Gatewood may be pulling away down at Auburn.
0: Oh, your boy is not going to get my it. Bo,
1: my guy, bone Nix. Oh,
0: man. I think that's
1: a mistake. And then we got down in Coral Gables. Oh,
0: yes. One of my favorite quarterback competitions. Tathan Martell. Oh, Tathan. Poor of Tathan. QB1
1: fame. Bishop Gorman fame. God. Goes to Ohio State. Doesn't really do much. Urban Meyer leaves.
0: Gets the hell out of Dodge, which apparently Ryan Day was like, please leave. And from a schematic standpoint, probably wise too. Right. I mean, Day was doing more, but I think Tathans. But from a schematic
1: standpoint, he went to an offense that's pretty similar.
0: Yes. And and, and his idea is like, I'm going to be Tim Tebow, but can throw a football. Probably the, the line of thinking.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: Football Jesus. <laughs> yes, football
1: Jesus. That's probably better. So anyway, he goes down to Miami. There's a guy that we're pretty familiar with. Oh, down there, Mr. Jeremy Williams. Jeremy Williams, mm-hmm. out of the state of Georgia. Yep,
0: uh, Central Gwinnett. It sounds about right. Yeah, it was one, one of, of the gwinnettes. Yeah. I
1: think it's Central. Yeah, he does a little commitment dance
0: oh, with Kentucky and Miami. It was quite the tap taparoo. He was tangoing <laughs> all over the place. You know what? It's like um. If you thought recruiting was crazy, if you thought Old Town Road was good, he is the do the two step and (laughs) cowboy. He was Darren (laughs) Williams took it to a whole nother level with his wine dancing taperooing around in the football recruiting world.
1: So anyway, he ends up in Miami, red shirts last year, then almost transfers. Yeah. And guess who was going to be the likely destination? He was
0: going to come back to Lexington. He was coming back to
1: Lexington. Anyway, They Manny Diaz and offensive coordinator Danny, you know, talking in the stand. And he beats out Tate Martell and Nicosi Perry. He started, I believe, five or six games for Miami last year. He was
0: basically the, like, we got to play somebody.
1: Yeah. So, that just shows you, you never know. Quarterback's a weird position, and you just never know.
0: Can I say that, A, I'm not surprised because – Williams, like, he's – of all of the misses that Kentucky's had, especially at quarter, like, like, Mike Jones, um, I, I would never – like, part of it was because he just kind of looked like a, a dweeb. Um, and he was more of the – I mean, both of these guys really blew up because of camp stuff. But there was also the fact that Jaron Williams played in, like, really high-class football in Georgia. Tom, the
1: quarterback's Jaron Williams senior year, you had Trevor Lawrence in Georgia – you had Justin Fields in Georgia. You had Emory Jones, who's Florida's backup quarterback, in Georgia.
0: And had Jeremy. And
1: Jeremy, all those guys were, I believe, top 100, 120 prospects in the in the class. So just alone in that state, that's some high level, of, you know, I mean, competition.
0: That could have been the entire SEC starting quarterback. And actually, it's kind of like I'm kind of happy. Like I thought Emory Jones was going to be a lot better too. I thought he was going to come in and take Felipe Franks' job right away. I think apparently he's a little bit of a poophead. Uh, kind of like somebody else, you know, we're talking about. But dang, that is a murderer's row of quarterbacks. Yeah, and and obviously Williams isn't going to be the best. Trevor Lawrence, is a freaking stud. But you have Williams beat out Martell, and then the other guy you mentioned, Justin Fields. Uh, Ryan Day is well, uh, nobody went out and won the job, which is okay. Last
1: year we had a guy with in the name Insert Laugh Track. We had a guy by the name of Lincoln Riley come out and pretty much say all of spring and for most of fall camp that Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall are kind of in a dead heat. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying right now that Jalen Hurts isn't his starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just – this is coach speak one-on-one. They're not – Gunnar Holk is not starting against Florida Atlantic in week one for Ohio State. I mean,
0: Eddie Grand used the exact same quote last year about how he wanted a quarterback to go out there and win it. And the whole time while people were – I was like, well, he's just waiting for Terry to take it to the – shift it from third to fourth gear, or second to fourth. He he, just ready to shift up. And a a thing that uh, my sports-talking friend, uh, Terry Walker, pointed out too, uh, if you announce your quarterback too early, they can just transfer and they can go somewhere else and use that year to sit out right away. So this could be a situation where Manny Diaz – might be putting himself in a pickle because Tathan didn't show up to practice when he found out, poor widow Tathan isn't going to start, so he's going to sit on his He was sidewalk. back today. Was oh, to Tathan came back to practice. Go for Tathan. And also, that could have been Manny Diaz just testing Tate Martell. How are you going to handle adversity when everything's been given to you in your life? Are you, can you handle it? Because that's 90 br- – I mean, Steven Johnson, he's not as talented as Tate Martell, but the dude – can take a punch and swing one right back. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of being quarterback. It's between the ears. I don't care how well you can sling it, how tall you are, how big of an arm you got. If you've got it between the ears, if you can recognize defenses and make reads and then just be fearless, you can be a really good college football quarterback. And Well, that's why the valuation is so tough. Yeah, especially in the camp stuff too. Because
1: it's it's such a – well, I mean – Tate Martell lives from San Diego, transferred to Bishop Gorman. Bishop Gorman had umpteen Division One prospects yeah, on that team. They went undefeated. So he got he kind of got to play with a lot of really, really good players and probably made him look better than he really was. Right. And so then he goes to Ohio State, doesn't really do all that great other than they put him in there and they kind of ran wild, a version of Wildcat offense with him against, you know, the Rutgers and right, right. the blow other blowouts of the world, so it's the valuations hard. I, we're get I think the college football community I think they're getting a lot better at kind of evaluating these quarterbacks and really the recruiting work in general. But it's still hard, and so Martell is kind of he's become the new Blake Barnett. Blake Barnett was a five star from California, do it all was a camp superstar. Goes to Alabama in the class with Damon Harris and all those boys. Yep. Starts one game against USC a couple years ago. Gets benched. Transfers the next week out. Saban goes out the next day talking about how people are transferring and quitting. It's a thing about our society. Playing on society. Yeah, so kids he, these days. So, he goes to Arizona State, gets beat out again by Manny Wilkins, and now he's at USF. He's going to be a senior this year. <laughs> we could be seeing the same with Martell. He was yeah. at Ohio State, could never, couldn't really cut it. Because Miami gets beat out, and now he could maybe but, get but the up thing with Lane is, Kiffin down in Boca Raton. In, in
0: it, yeah, that's uh, basically quarterback rehab. But I, I think the, the other thing that's worth noting, too, is like what if Jaren Williams doesn't work out? You know, like – Yeah, you don't – he could go – Yeah, he could. He could go get rocked I mean, against Florida. Florida he, I mean, against those quarterbacks.
1: And against Grantham's defense. Your first ever oh, game
0: against Grantham's defense. That's – they're just going to be throwing things that he's – I mean, you can – as – when I was talking to Landon Young today, it's like, so, like when you were that freshman, what was what was the hardest part? And he's like, I don't care how much people tell you to prepare for you. You don't know until you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen to Jeremy Williams in this game against Ford and Todd Grantham's defense. And who knows? He could get rocked and Tate Martellus come and save the day, and then all of a sudden he's God's gift to the U. And now we get to see Tathan and his turnover chain all There's over a- the place. But – and I think that's why this whole situation is – the. I think it's absolutely hilarious because the way that now everybody wants to go and do a move and shake everywhere, college football, there's a very thin line for a margin of victory. And if you fold under pressure because one thing doesn't go your way, there's there's still plenty of time to overcome that adversity. And, I mean, just look at Mark Stoops's the, the before last year, before the real breakthrough year. Even the five-win seasons, they were a couple plays away from being seven-win teams. And then in the seven-win teams, they were a couple plays away from being the no ones. And and that's, it, but the 2015 was a couple plays away from maybe being a four- or three-win team. It, and see, and that's why football is a beautiful sport. And that's why I love that right now we are splitting hairs over the craziest, stupid little preseason stories. because once well, We need the, the games to get here. Because what, and, and then once the games get here – it could be one stupid one stupid pass by Jaron Williams where his career goes down the toilet and then Tate Martell comes rescue. So that's why college football is, is such a beautiful sport. From,
1: in hindsight, from Kentucky's point of view, for me it's really two things. Kentucky missed out on Jared Williams, but they got a really good backup plan. And Terry Wilson is really set good, yeah, solid backup entering a second year. We think he's going to take a jump, and then he could be entering a senior year where he's really going to be the best quarterback that the program's had in a long time.
0: And in turn, the other guy you've got coming in, Bo Allen, I'm not saying that Williams was going to be a headache, but the dude who's doing his commitment dance and has his dad and all the people around him being weird, you're not dealing with that with the next guy up in Bo Allen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then from a coaching and evaluation point of view, Darren Henshaw, you know, he's pretty good at these quarterback evaluations. Mac Jones is going to be in the running to start at Alabama next year. Mm-hmm. Steven Johnson was a hit, Yep, a big hit, because if they don't have him, who knows what the hell happens. Mm-hmm. Jerem Williams is good enough to
0: start as a redshirt freshman at Miami. And they both, on Jones and on Williams, they got on him before they blew up on the right. services. And that's part of why they committed early. And then they got Terry Wilson.
1: And then, you know, we'll see about the younger quarterbacks. But so far, he's doing, he's doing he's doing a pretty fair job at – evaluating quarterbacks. Now, they've missed on some guys. You know, that that has hurt. But they've done a great job at getting backup plans, whether it was Steven Johnson or Terry Wilson. Mm-hmm. They've really kind of – they've been good in scramble mode, and, and it's allowed them to succeed. And now we're seeing – we saw Johnson do what he did, and they land Wilson. He's
0: a quarterback for the Tim Win team. So, while we're on quarterbacks, we're just going to bring up uh, something that power, fo- Pro Football Focus put out today. They They – did a PFF ranking of every single quarterback in college football. Uh, you will scroll down and almost immediately find uh, Mr. Puma pass, which it's hilarious that he's 128. Um, really? Quarterback whisperer, Bobby Petrino. Read
1: the school above him and the school below him.
0: So it's like Rutgers. Rutgers is dead last. Oh, Rutgers is dead last. It's Rutgers, South Alabama, and then UConn. <laughs> he's behind <laughs> That's UConn's not the company pool. you want to be in. No, it's not the company you want to keep. Um, Terry Wilson, for the many haters and losers out there, uh, top uh, that's My top 25%, is that right? 46 out of 130? 46 out of 130. So top third. That'll okay. work. Top third, give or take. Ninth in the SEC. Ninth in the SEC, which is – I think we just had him one up of Garantano. It was right.
1: It was pretty much in line with with ours. Now, now they're a little bit higher than, I think, Garantano than we were. But they're lower on Felipe Franks. They had Franks yes. at, I mean, they had Franks
0: and Wilson almost neck and even. neck. Franks is ranked 43rd. And then the guy behind Franks at 44th is the guy we just talked about, Blake Barnett. Right. Um, and their, their kind of assessment of Terry Wilson is that he takes care of the football and he can take off when it breaks down. Um, uh, anticipatory throws are a thing of beauty, but need to come far more than they did a season ago. Until then, they can rely on uh, his rushing ability. Um, so you know, but the, the biggest thing they say is he's really good at you know protecting
1: the football, and so if he, could, I think what they're trying to tell you is he's really good at protecting the football, and if he can just grow, in some of um some of his passing game, he's got you know, and you add that on his rushing ability, he's got a chance to do some really really good things. But from a Kentucky state of view, just from the state in general, there was a lot of guys on here. Tanner Morgan starting at Minnesota, I believe he was in the nineties. Elijah Sindelar, mm-hmm. Purdue. Then you had Desmond Ritter from St. X, Louisville St. X, Cincinnati. And he was in the top 30. He had a really, really good year last year.
0: When did he. When did, see, I don't know. He was I, a
1: redshirt freshman last year. But he was injured a lot at St. X. He was the kid that uh, Nagel started over him at first? So I was. Around that time. I think he was a couple years younger than Nagel. Ooh,
0: speaking of, you're a Tiger, right? Yes. Were you get your ass kicked next week? Oh, God. I <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately oh, will not be able to make it. Oh, man. Fantasy football draft. Oh, no. I know. I'm really upset about it. You know what? It's okay. You probably don't want to see another ass kicked well, by d Colts. You know they're having a bunch of state championship reunions that night. Well, they they need to so that they can forget about <laughs> that ass kicking they're about uh, to take about from that, those sales Colts.
1: Maybe we might have to give an
0: over under out for that game. Oh man, no no! Lie. I had a friend win like twenty five hundred dollars last year because just say next guys that he worked with would give him like twenty five points. It's like, dude, don't be an idiot. But <laughs> that that was fun. Yeah, Jared Garantano is not the twenty first best quarterback in America. Pro Football Focus. I like your work, but what the hell? That they had an interest. <laughs>
1: The the biggest takeaway I had from that, though, was in Garantano's like little paragraph they talked about how he played against Kentucky. Yeah, there was the highest grade, single game grade of any quarterback last year.
0: So that just—I mean—that shows you when you don't have Darius West against, and you're reeling. It
1: hurts when you. It helps when you hit a hail mary, and then you hit another. (laughs) I think they hit a couple other thirty yard bombs. Yeah. But, but that just shows you that game was kind of a one-off for Tennessee last year. Yeah. That was probably the best game they played that all season. It a
0: freak kind of thing. Um, some quick hitters before we get out of here that I want to mention. Xavier Peters' decision, probably hear something this week. Um, it's look- the, the other decisions, you uh, feel more comfortable about. Cincinnati's
1: right? had a couple guys cleared for, like, the same thing. Louisville transfer Jordan Travis from South Florida. to Tallahassee. Tallahassee's in the panhandle. Six he, hours away. Yeah, man. he got cleared. So –
0: I don't think knock it's all on, Bobby knock
1: on wood, yeah. but I think he's got a decent shot to get there. And Florida State said Ta- Willie Taggart came out and said Louisville helped with us, helped us with this, and that got him cleared. And from all reports, Florida State's been helping with Kentucky. right, right. So, it wasn't a Jim Harbaugh situation. Yes, so. so it's looking like it could, it could really happen.
0: Yes. Um, the other thing I wanted to hit on, uh, just wide receivers and whatnot. Who uh, we mentioned health? Big Nick was. I think he was out like today, a few days. The uh, other – Chris Rodriguez and Cavazio-Smoth both dinged up in scrimmages. I think that's just running backs getting used to getting hit a lot. Um, very few people are durable But it's something time. to keep an eye on with those freshmen. Tisdale apparently did well in his limited role, but it's also – he's running with the, the young guys. They're going to mess up. He's going to take advantage of right. it. Right. Uh, other wide receivers, Akeem Hayes. He made some highlight plays. I think the reason why he's going to make more of those now – Hard for a, a little guy to do something if he's not comfortable in the offense and really good, crisp in and out of his breaks. That's where Grant's seeing him improve. Um, but and the the other two, I really wanted to hit home that we get asked about a lot, and that's Ahmad Wagner. Right now, Ahmad Wagner and Brandon Eccles, I'm just treating everything we get from them as gravy. Yeah, yeah. I expect nothing from them, so if we get some out of them, it's fine. Because, a in Wagner's case, like. I mean, he is like a—he's an oddity. He's not your typical outside rod receiver. He—he—he—if he would have gone to Ohio State out of because it was kind of Ohio State or Kentucky before he decided I'm playing basketball, they would have moved him to tight end because he's a big guy. Um, so I'm just expecting him to kind of jump ball, kind of get niche scenarios. And then in Echo's case, hamstring injuries that linger around. Dorian Baker missed almost a year from it. He came back, I think, after the bye week in 2016. And then he goes out and he makes a game-winning touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown catch against the Louisville. He might just be – yeah, you might just be a guy that
1: get maybe get to the first bye and then yeah. maybe take on – take off after that. Well,
0: uh, it's what we can hope for. Um, so, that, I'm just treating him as gravy. I'm not expecting much. But on Akeem point. Hayes, that other slot role opposite of Lim Bowden, Kentucky's
1: kind of made some hay in that. That position the last couple of years it was mm-hmm. Charles Walker two years ago.
0: Bouvier was the
1: was third Bu- leaving receiver, right? Last something year? like that. It was Bouvier last year, and now who? We've seen Cleavon. Heard about Cleavon Thomas. We've heard about Akeem Hayes. He, they said they're getting Allen Daily reps in the slot. So they're they're fishing for answers, and that's that's it. that's probably the that might be the most intense competition on offense right now in camp is who can't emerge there and and the guy that emerges is going to get a lot of opportunities but it's really it's probably only going to be one one guy there that's going to get the lion's share of the rep so that's that's a heated battle and we really probably won't know much until
0: the first game against Toledo you don't know until you know don't know until you know that's the name of this game and folks you've almost done it one more Saturday without college football just I think you can I think you can we're halfway through plow through plow through and come on, keep listening. Come on back next week. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Trust us; it's, it's it's only gonna get better from here, folks. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't. Smash it. Thank you, all of you all who've rated and reviewed
1: so far. We've had a lot of great feedback. Oh, all those of you who haven't, uh, please do.
0: Yeah, please and, join the party. And, and Tell your, us how. Tell your friends because especially right before football season, I got some. I actually, got some stuff I think our listeners are gonna like. Some big stuff like. Like, actually, that will incentivize you to listen. So keep it locked here on 11 Personnel. We'll see you are We've week. only just begun.